You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have Anna on the podcast today. Welcome, Anna. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited that we are connecting and getting to chat today because I know we're going to have so much to talk about. It's going to go by so quickly. (laughs) Um, But for people who don't know you and don't know AW Creative yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and who you help? Yeah. So my name is Anna. I am the CEO and founder of the AEW Creative, which is a luxury marketing and business consulting and mentorship firm. I work with female founders looking to start and scale impact-driven legacy brands through my intentional, repeatable, and scalable framework. And you're ready to go. You've got that mission statement down <laughs> pat, girl. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. So you're you're helping through mastermind consultative services, but you didn't start that right out the gate, right? You've had kind of no. an interesting storyline to get to where you are now. So tell us a little bit about how you got started um, to where you are now for someone who's who's just getting caught up. Yeah. So I actually come from corporate marketing here. I live in New York City. I've worked in corporate marketing for over 10 years now. Um, So my background really is in marketing, which is why I'm good at it. (laughs) Um, So I went to school in New York City. I have an undergraduate degree in marketing. And then after that, I started getting jobs in more publications than rather the online space. So I've worked at companies like Vogue, Teen Vogue, Vogue, Martha Stewart, uh, the Smithsonian, and then digital marketing for a paperless post. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, I got laid off. And by that point, I was 28, 29, and it was the second time in my 20s I had gotten laid off. So at that point, I was just like really fed up. I was like, yeah, I'm supposed <laughs> at that point, I was like, I can't imagine like just constantly getting laid off and like living my life like that. And it just kind of like came like to a boil where I was like, this is supposed to be a stable career. This is supposed to be a stable Mm -hmm. job. I'm working at these big companies, yet I have like zero actual job security. So by the time the pandemic happened and it was my second layoff, I mean, at that point I was like, my life was so devastated because I wasn't really left with anything. I didn't have a big savings account because one, I live in New York City and two, I had a nine to five job that didn't pay me that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had to move back home, uh, back to my childhood bedroom at the age of like 29 with my dog, which is not something anybody wants to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, girl, I've done it. I've done it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, and at that point I had a choice of like, well, do I go back and look for another job that could potentially lay me off yet again for the third time? Or do I just take a chance on myself and use my 10 years of marketing and just try to do it myself? And at that point I was already at rock bottom. I was already back home living in my childhood bedroom. So at that point, what was there left to lose? Right, right. Like nothing. So I did that and I did it through social media. I started on Instagram, then diversified. And within 11 months, I was back in New York City with a huge upgrade in lifestyle. So I've been doing this for like two and a half years now. And within 11 months, I hit six figures, which by the way, is more than I ever made in corporate. And in 24 months, I hit half a million in revenue. So amazing. Yeah. So it just kind of shows you that you are your safest bet. And if you have a gut feeling that something isn't worth it, usually not. Yeah. I learned that lesson um, 
with my first internships. My parents are very entrepreneurial. My whole family is. And I really, my like junior year of college, if you'd asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I wanted to be a museum curator. Like I wanted Mm. to be with the artists. I wanted to be at events with fabulous people and like doing all this like networking. And that's what I really loved and, and being around the art. And then I got an internship with the museum and I was like, wait a second, this is an office job. And I was like, felt yes. so disillusioned. I was like, oh, this like yes. you have to. And the whole idea of like having to be somewhere for a set amount of time, like oh so did not sit well with me. I was just Never telling you again. before this podcast, like my allergies are flaring up and I'm for sure taking a nap this afternoon. But I work for myself. And that's the beauty of working for yourself is like being able to work when you're on your creative high and like you're in the flow. Right. And that's just like also such a luxury. I think people forget. Yeah. And you have more choices. Like you just said, like I have the choice to lay down and also by being disillusioned. So it's so funny because in college I interned at magazines. So I was like, Mm -hmm. this is my dream job. This is what I want to be doing. I actually had somebody ask me once, like when I was in my early twenties, if I wanted to become an entrepreneur and I was like, Oh my God, no, who me? (laughs) I would never. And now I'm like, Oh my God, I would never go back. But the point I wanted to make is about being disillusioned. Um, I, right out of college, I got my dream job at a certain magazine and like, I'm not going to name names because of this story. But within two months, I actually quit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I got landed this dream job. It ended up being nothing like I thought it was going to be. It actually ended up being a very um, verbally abusive environment. Gosh. And it was like, I did have that moment of like, oh my God, like I literally just spent four years really like hyping up myself, working for something. And then within two months, I'm like, oh my God, what what am I supposed to do now? But I think that like resilience and just that ability to like be like, well, this clearly isn't working out for me. I like know that in my gut and I don't know what the next thing is going to be, but like I trust myself to figure that out. I feel like is even like a principle that's taken me like 10 years into, into today. So, and it's, it's a muscle that you have to train just like anything else, right? Like I just had this call with my team this morning. She was explaining to me about how she has another client that she needs to quit. And she's like, I'm so, I have so much anxiety over quitting them. She goes, but they're not paying me enough. We're not connecting. Like we're, I'm not having a good time working on their projects, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, like Loki, I love writing a quitting email. I was like, here, let me walk you through it. You're going to start off with like a hug, punch, hug. You're going to say, I'm so glad with everything that we've been able to accomplish starting this date. I'm no longer going to be doing this. And then I'm totally happy to help offboard you so that you can be better served by someone who can fit what you're looking for. And I was like, oh, I love, she like saw me like perk up on our team call today. (laughs) She's like, can you please help me? And I was like, of course. And I told her, I said, listen, it's always going to be worse in your head than it actually Mm -hmm. is in real life. And if you can tell yourself like, okay, what's the worst case scenario of this? Like, okay, so they're upset. But like, how long can they actually be upset? And are you willing to put your own happiness ahead of someone else maybe being upset? Oh, 100%. And I feel like that was like a light bulb for her a little bit. Yes. My favorite thing like or quote to say is like, no is a full sentence. Mm, Like, no. That's a good one too. Yes. No is a full sentence. And a lot of the times when I see entrepreneurs getting stuck and then they're coming to me and they're like, I don't know what's wrong. It's usually because their priorities are just like out of focus and they Mm, are mm -hmm. putting other people above the business and Mm -hmm. the way to scale, especially if you're looking to go into like multiple six figures and beyond is you really need to have a very clear definition of like what, where the intention and where the focus needs to be. And 
I'm going to tell you right now, the secret to that is you. Like the focus needs to mm-hmm. be you. Obviously, you want to serve your clients, but you just need to be more intentional. Like I've mm-hmm. just got, I've gotten to the point where like, I don't mind turning people down because we're like not aligned. Like totally. I'm more than happy to like refer you to like one of my other friends who is an entrepreneur, but I'm just at the point where like I like at a certain point, like the money is not worth the sacrifice of like, oh my God, I have this resentment towards a client. I have this like totally. anger towards a client. And so the sooner you can get so like comfortable with saying no, then like honestly, the better off you'll be. And honestly, the more money you'll make because then you'll make room for actually yeah. aligned clients. You make room and you also, it puts you in the driver's seat of how that client perceives you as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you're coming at them from a place of like, I'm not the best person to serve you. Like, I'm, like uh, it's not you, it's me kind of thing, kind of, yes. but more of in the, from a place of like, I know that I'm handicapping your success because I can't exactly. give you X, Y, Z thing. And I think you're going to be so much better served by someone who can really hold your hand or walk you through or have meetings with you every week or whatever those things are that that's making it difficult to work with that person. Or, or if it's just work, you just don't want to do anymore. Like, cause your business has changed, your values have changed, your opportunities have changed. Like the sooner you can be proactive about that and like come from a place of helping them, you're setting the intention for like how they will perceive you moving forward because they didn't fire you. You kind of quit them and it puts you back in the driver's seat. But I, I was telling my team today, I was like, we quit people last year that are already back for new services. It's just one of those things of like, because we gave them ample heads up, we helped them in the transition. We, like it's all of those things start to stack up where at the end of the day, like you're still helping that person. And if you're a helpful person, they're going to come back for more help is kind of, it's reciprocal in that way. But we have so much to talk about all of this stuff. Your (laughs) social media specifically is a treasure trove. I just like went through and binge watched all your reels again, just to like really, you know, prepare for this interview, but also really get a sense of like your ethos. Cause I think we're very aligned on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you talk about is really the difference between starting a business and starting a brand. And I thought that this was really artfully said, because I don't think we talk about that enough, especially with with how much of a boom there was during the pandemic of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, star- I'm finally starting my business. And then all of a sudden yes. the rubber hit the road. And now oh, how many yes. of those businesses are closed? Right. Yes. I, I have a lot of, I have Explain a lot of spicy. for people who don't know. <laughs> so hot takes. No, I love it. I love yes. it. Explain for people in your terms, because I have my terminology, but yes. in your terms, what's the difference between a business and a brand? Yeah. So I think because I specifically come from the corporate world, I view things in a very different lens than people with no experience who during the boom started online businesses. So the way I see that there's like two types of entrepreneurs online that came out of the 2020 boom. And those are the kind of entrepreneurs that started lifestyle businesses and the ones that started companies. And what I mean by that, and by the way, like both, there's nothing wrong with either one of them, but it just needs to be said that there actually is two, which people don't. So the lifestyle business for me is somebody who just like started this because they wanted to like leave nine to five and they have no interest in actually ever building and scaling anything. They don't have any interest in actually becoming a legacy brand, but they want to have a good lifestyle. They want to make good money and they really just want to, you know, they want to be comfortable, which by the way, good for you. There's literally nothing Mm -hmm. wrong for that. And then there's companies. And then, so for me, I consider myself somebody who's wanting to build a company because in the future, mm-hmm. I do want this to become a generational wealth for future generations. I do want this, I want this to be something I can sell one day. I want to eventually have 
a CEO in, instead of my place. I want a corporate board. Like I want this to be bigger than me. But I feel that a lot of the times, a lot of those like, oh, I started a business with no experience are almost like selling the company vision when they themselves are not even building that. And that's what yep. I have problem with. And that's when a lot of people come to me saying that they've been burned by past investments. It's usually because they've been kind of like sold into somebody telling them that who isn't embodying and actually building what they're preaching. So that's kind of like my hot take on that. I think that's a perfectly hot take. I love that. I think that there's <laughs> there's plenty of people that come across my contact form that are like, oh, I'm going to invest a hefty chunk in branding, but they don't have any of the foundations of their business sorted no. yet. But no. they're sold this idea through social media that, oh, this logo is going to make me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like by slapping this logo on this thing, I'm going to make all this money. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Like, that's why no. I ask your mission, your vision, your goals, your scale plan, like everything, because that is super important to me to make sure that we're not just designing something that's just going to sit, number one, sit and collect dust, but number two, not be a good use of your time and your money. So I think that, again, it's really easy to get kind of like sucked into those rabbit holes with social. What are some of the key pillars that you help your clients define in those like very foundational beginning phases. And I'm curious also to know how much of it do you feel like needs to be set in concrete versus how much can be fluid because businesses yes. change and people change oh, and circumstances change. But in my opinion, there's still a foundation that needs to be pretty solid. Oh, hundred percent. How, yeah, how do you help someone through that? Yeah. So really when somebody works with me, regardless if it's like in like a 90 minute intensive or one-on-one or my mastermind, we really look at my framework, which is intentional, repeatable, scalable, because I think first we do need to start out with like, what is the vision? So when I even say like, what is the vision? Obviously, like year one of business, you're not going to have like the full concept to what the year is, what the, what the company is going to look like year 10. And sure. that's okay. Especially in my mastermind, which is for entrepreneurs looking to scale to multi-six, like they actually come into it because they are ready to kind of develop that fuller vision. But a lot of people think you just automatically need to know it. You 100% don't, but you do need to have core foundations. And so the way I look at it is just like anything else, there's an order of operations. And so right. before you get branding done, because I do have a lot of people coming to me being like, well, I just like, I don't know if I should have invested in you first or branding and a photographer and all of that. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. You need to invest in me first, because if you yep. don't know even like the foundations of your vision, at least like a guiding light toward like core principles and core values, if you don't know your audience, if you don't actually have your signature offers nailed down and like in a way that's scalable and then like your messaging, then like, I'm sorry, but like somebody like Michelle is not going to be able to help you. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and the way that I view it and the way that I tell people is that like somebody like a copywriter, a website branding strategist, a social media manager, they're not miracle workers. It no. is not their job to figure out your business for you. Like, and when you hire them with that kind of notion, you're actually going to see a negative ROI because mm -hmm. the, those types of services are the gas but the business foundations that I help you with is the car, right? So if you have right. like, so you can have a lot of gas sitting in reserves, but like, if you don't have a car, then what are you going to do with the gas? It's kind of right. like how I see it. Right. No, that makes perfect sense because it's, 
and we see it happen with our clients all the time too, where they're like, oh, well, I, I want to have really great social. And it's like, but what's the call to action? Like you don't have a functioning website. Yeah. Like what are your pillars? Like it's lovely that you want to have kick-ass social and like we would love to do social for you, but where, what's the end goal there and who mm-hmm. are we doing it for and how are we reaching them? Like all of that stuff is, is really important. But I want to circle back to what you talked about with values and coming up with core values and pillars. I'm taking my team on our first retreat ever this year, which exciting. is so exciting because I started growing my team in like 2020 and then we've never all been in person together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super excited. But a part of that retreat exercise is going to be like really getting super firm on our core values. We have it in kind of a handbook and we've gone over it like at the top of the year and like quarterly for everybody's KPIs yeah. and things like that. And it, as being someone who is never in corporate, because I started my business in college and never did anything else, I don't have a lot of experience in that space. And I've got to imagine just from my friends telling me and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, it's our core values. And people kind of like roll their eyes at like the whole <laughs> core values ethos conversation. So they're like, oh, what does it mean anyway? But I do really think it's important. Oh, 100%. So I'm curious to, for you, like what are some of the pillars that you help people walk through? What are the ones that are like dead giveaway? And what are the ones that really help you stand out in a unique way that kind of is like the lifeblood of your brand. Yeah. So I always say that like my niche is my values. So unlike other people who are like, I only work, I'm like a social media manager for coaches or something like that. I, my niche is my values. So if we have similar values, I can guarantee we're going to work really well. And usually the people that I turn down where I'm like, "Eh, it's not a right fit. It's usually because I can already tell that we don't, we don't share the same values. Yeah, we just like don't align. And so my all of my clients do share my values and I'm able to help all of them because the like I'm building the way I'm building my business is in a sense the way that they want to build their business with similar values. So something mm-hmm. that I mean is is even like core pillar in like the framework that I teach is intentionality. And what I mean by that is a lot of people online have an idea and they put it out there and they're just in the cycle of like, like putting out their rinse and repeat, putting out their rinse and repeat. And they're kind of just like constantly throwing spaghetti at the wall. And I just don't believe that. So, and I feel like, especially with the online space, like TikTok, Instagram, people are like throwing numbers out there. And yes, 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 people are throwing numbers out there. And while yes, the internet is a very unique place because you can make a lot of money fast and have a lot of like instant gratification. But back to the conversation of, are we just making money or are we building? You're never going to build anything if you aren't intentional. So I much rather spend a month really nailing down your core audience and your messaging and then create like a really high quality content. But usually when I say, oh, we're going to spend a month working on that, people are like, a month. But Uh I I thought, I thought this was going to take like a week. And I was like, no. (laughs) And, and like, and I was like, no, like literally in corporate, we would spend four months on a marketing campaign before it ever saw the light of day. Like that's how actual companies do it. But Mm -hmm. because the way Instagram and TikTok makes it seem that like everything needs to happen like right now, And even talking to seven-figure entrepreneurs that I personally know, they're like, oh, yeah, we spend like five months building out an offer. Like, we don't just build it out in a week and then sell it. Like, that's we're trying to build something here. So intentionality is really big. And usually if somebody wants like a flash-in-the-pan type of business model, I'm not that person. There's like a lot of people that can get you like fast results that way. But 
once again, if you want to build a legacy brand, if you actually want to build a company, you are kind of committing to like, yes, this is going to take time and I'm committing to that. So that's like a really big one. You're there for the marathon, not the sprint. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, So, and then, and then, you know, with that comes sustainability because we're doing all these things really intentionally. The goal is we're mitigating any risk that is going to be a flop and therefore it's going to be sustainable. So really looking at like everything from like, okay, is that offer a good, is, is that offer something we should do next quarter or is that not aligned with the ultimate goal? Like, was that actually what we should be doing right now? Or even for like content, like I rather someone post two times a week and it be super high quality content mm-hmm. than just post every single day because somebody on TikTok told them mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. Mm-hmm. So those are like two really big ones that like one have given my clients and myself really amazing success, but also are something you can like repeat and scale in the long run. Yeah. I like those values. I like intentionality. I like sustainability for sure. It just reminds me of, I don't know if you were in Greek life, um, but I was in Greek life in college. And when we were meeting potential new members and you had to describe your conversation about someone, if you said like, oh, she was nice. Like everyone would go bonk. (laughs) Like you were not allowed to say nice. Like nice is not descriptive enough of what we're going for here. And so I always think of that with like, I'm talking core values with clients because they're like, our core values are honesty. And I was like, yeah, I fucking hope so. Like, I hope that you're honest (laughs) with people. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I hope so. Like quality. It's like, yes, I hope that you're honest and you're doing quality work. Like those are important. Absolutely. But it's like, let's get to like, where's the the meat and potatoes of this stuff? Like where, and where's the secret sauce, right? So like with our team, it's not just about we're being creative. Like I hope we're being creative guys. Yes. Yes. Definitely keep being creative. That should be a given. But how can, what's the difference between creative and visionary? Like yes. what's the difference between, and sometimes it's as simple as like going back and reading old reviews. I don't know if you do this, but I'll, yes. sometimes if I'm really stuck, I'm like, okay, I need to go back to my reviews and figure out what are the things that my clients appreciated that I did. And a lot of times it's organization, it's speed and it's clarity. And it's yes. like things that for me, that's, that's just kind of like, my, what is it? Modus operandi is what you say. Mm-hmm. Is like, that's just how I do things in general in my life. But the fact that, that, that was so remarkable to them that they'd worked with other creatives that didn't have those things. I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, now we're on to something. Has that happened yeah. to you before? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, my hot take is if you're using those kinds of like broad terms, you're probably not making sales because nobody's True. buying from you. True. Yeah. And then, then that's even a further reason why you should work with me to clarify your messaging because a lot of the, everything stems from having very clear and concise one, having a framework and two, having messaging that really resonates with people. So like, I can't tell you how many times people message me being like, I love the fact that you always talk about being intentional and what that actually means. I don't hear anybody else talking about that. I love the fact that you talk about building legacy brands. Literally nobody talks about that. They just talk about making money, right? So it's like, I mean, literally there's a million other people that do what I do realistically, but like, how am I different, right? Like, how are you different? And like, that goes back to like the mission statement, like, well, who are you? What do you do? Like, if you don't, if you can't actually give me an answer for that, then like you have no business one working with someone like you (laughs) with branding and website. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. then like, you also have no business telling other people like, oh yeah, I can help you, you know, scale this company when you yourself aren't even clear on how to do that. Right, right. It's something that I I can tell that we have the same kind of pet peeves with the social media business owner of it all, 
because I very much grew up with like a entrepreneurial parents, entrepreneurial family where it was like a grow slow and steady is always better than huge and a huge crash. Like always. And like, it's kind of one of those things, but that (laughs) my mom shared this with me once that said that people that share inspirational quotes, they did a study that they're statistically less intelligent. Just (laughs) kills me because now it's all I can think of. But I want to throw in that category is like the people that try to make sales by telling people how big of a launch they had or how much Mm. money they make is kind of one of those things. It just causes me so much pause because I don't like you've said in in your socials, like I don't want to work with someone because they had a six figure month. I want to work with them because they get results and they're they're productive and because they are crushing it consistently. They're consistently doing high quality work and they're consistently getting results. Not that they had this one zoom spike on the balance sheet. And then they like went ghosted for the whole year. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's something that's like, and my friend Georgia, who's a website designer sends me these things all the time. She goes like, I know for sure you're probably making more money than me, but I just so appreciate that you never try to like make that a, f- a thing on social media. <laughs> yes. like, you're killing me. I was yes. like, because it's not about what I'm making. And also, yes, I'm making good money, but my expenses are high as they should be. My sign of success is I'd like to make a ton of money so I can pay everyone that I think is talented more money. Yes. Like that should be the reciprocal goal. But tell us, maybe you have a hot take there or a good story to share (laughs) on that front. Well, I think that once again, going back to your, going back to like my values is I also don't want to work with, I don't, I never want somebody to hire me because money is their only goal. Yes. Do we need to, yes. Do we need to actually pay our bills and live? Obviously like, duh, we should be making money. Like this is not, I'm not running a non-for-profit. Like obviously I'm running a business, but like what else? Like there has to be another reason that you want to work with me and scale other than just like, I want more money. And then goes back to like the, what, what are you a lifestyle business or an actual company? Right. Mm -hmm. So the people that I see that are constantly promoting money and screenshots and like that's literally their only marketing strategy with which my hot take is that's actually not a marketing strategy no not there's at all. no strategy yes so they attract those kinds of people and I know this because I see it every day like I see the people that those types of people are working with and those are not the people I would ever want to work with no but the no. women that I work with, they are, it's not that they're not impressed or they don't want a lot of money. Obviously they want a lot of money, but they want to do it in a way that's building and scaling something because their vision is just so much greater than like a number. Their vision is right. I want to have, I want to have, you know, an actual company. I want to scale to in-person events. I want to have, a, I want to have impact. So, and not to say that you can't have money and impact because I'm a firm believer that like, money follows impact. If your driving force is impact, then the money will follow. But yes, so I don't think it's a marketing strategy. Now, do I use it occasionally when I'm talking about case studies and I'm trying to prove a point? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, people do want to know that they are going to have a return on investment um, when working with me. And they always do. But I always use it as to prove a point to a bigger context story. I'm never just like throwing screenshots out there, but I am doing it and telling a narrative so somebody can see, hey, this client, they were in my shoes six months ago. And this is actually the the trajectory of their business from different angles, not just like a monetary. Because if you're only judging ROI by money, you're really missing like the bigger point. 
at the end of the day. Of course. And I think it's, it's one of those things that I think is just very buzzy right now in the way that like in 2018, 2019, like making six figures in a year as a freelancer was like the thing everyone was talking about. Like that was the hot button topic. And then now it's shifted and now it's like, oh, well, here's my, like you said, my balance. Here's what I spent this month. Here's what I made this month. And I'm all for pay transparency. Absolutely. Yes. But I think it also, it triggers a little bit of like fight or flight for people. And I Mm -hmm. think it triggers like, I've blocked so many people that have made this kind of content that otherwise are in my circles or like muted, love a mute button. Just because I'm like, I don't need to know. I don't need to know this information. Like I want to follow people that are inspiring me because they had a really fabulous idea or they did like a gorgeous logo and campaign design. I don't need that. Like the money to me, like you said, is so secondary to the the reasons why we're doing these things that if you find yourself down those holes, it can totally throw you off and it can really set you off in a way that you're like, what the hell? How is she doing that? How did she get that client? There's no way she's like, it just gets you. And then you get, and then you get sucked into like the gossip mill of it all. He's like, did you see what so-and-so posted? (laughs) I don't understand how they could have had that launch. I never even saw anything about that program. Like, and then it just becomes so like yucky. Yes. And this is, these are the, these are the actual conversations we have in my limitless mastermind because I mean, it's a safe space to like, actually like truly say how you feel, which I feel like you, there's not a lot of places for that, but yeah, these are like conversations where you have, where somebody will come, you know, in the group, they'll be like, honestly, I'm feeling a lot of like self-doubt because I just see all these people in like similar roles to me doing X, Y, and Z on Instagram. And then, but then my perspective back to them is like, yeah, but you just said they're doing all these things. And you literally told me last week that you want to do less things. So mm-hmm, do you see mm-hmm. how that's like counterintuitive? Like, do you actually want to be launching 24 seven like that person? And they're like, well, now that you say a no, I actually no. really don't want their business model. I'm like, yeah, they're like, yeah, I just get like sucked into it all. And I was like, you do. And I love a good mute button. I love a good unfollow button. And then I've had to do the same thing because I'm more, I'm much more interested to how somebody did the damn thing than just seeing a number. So I really want to like know like the like ins and outs and nooks and crannies of it all. I'm much more interested in like knowing those details and really like asking questions around that like subject matter than just being like, oh, that person made this much money. So I'm going to go work with them. And it's about being a conscious consumer. Like I think Mm. that we discredit how influenced we can be by what we consume. And as a business owner, especially as a creative, like it's so easy to get swayed by like, well, so-and-so is using this type of font. So I'm going to use this and not even realize you're doing it. Like, so it's, I would also encourage people who are finding themselves like doubting themselves, imposter syndrome, like down that, that darker corner of like feeling like you're not good enough. Follow people that aren't in your industry, follow musicians, follow actors, follow artists, follow teachers, follow people that you just are interested in how they think. And I think it'll open up your mind a lot more to different ways of doing things. Cause if you just consume your own niche all the time, like yeah. you for you just get lost in it. Yeah, you're you're just going to get into like analysis paralysis and it like never ends up well. I mean, even a, mm-hmm. a couple of my clients like today somebody was like, "Yay, I finally signed this like big client who actually like works for the White House." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing." She's like, Great. "But I st- but I still haven't hit 2000 followers." I was like, "Oh my god." My god, are we really <laughs> like, doing that? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like always 
it always like just like wanting to like beat a dead horse to something that you are just like so inherently like like so strict on working but all these other great things are working out but they're working out in a way maybe you haven't seen other people do it and so you're so laser focused on like well everybody this way is working for everybody so I have to do it that way and then I come in and I'm like okay but like how you're actually growing and how you're actually finding success is through these other visibility channels so instead of focusing on Instagram why can't we focus on these other areas where like your clients are actually coming from. Mm-hmm. But because they mm-hmm. just overconsume, they're just so in this mindset of like, oh, well, it's just not working for me. I'm like, it is working for you, but you've just literally blocked all the good parts out and you're so focused on what everybody else is doing and how you don't have success in just that one area that all the other good areas of growth literally. are like, just literally. like go right over your head. Well, and this is where analytics come into play, right? This is where we put on our corporate hat back on or our our data-driven hat back on. And we say, okay, where did the leads come from? Where did my top revenue clients come from? And for me, it's from being on TikTok Live. And it's the most low energy thing I've ever had to do for content creation. And it brings me my top paying, most wonderful, amazing, incredible clients. Yeah. Because it's just so easy and it's so part of my routine. And I'm very much like, I'm all about optimizing my time. And I have a fat video release waiver in my contract. And I basically set my phone right up in front of the screen. And I just am live streaming a logo design. And I did it last night. People weigh in, now they're invested. But like, you also never know who's watching. So I feel like if I were talking to my 2018, 2019 self, I would be so mad that I wasn't consistent on Instagram. I'd be like, you had such a good thing going. Mm-hmm. You were getting new followers and like, you've got to show people, but that's not where my people are. That's not where the, these top yeah. earning serial entrepreneurs, they're not really scrolling through everyone looking the same. And that's exactly the feedback I got on those discovery calls with the dream clients was like, yeah, I was trying to talk to like 15 different designers on Instagram, but I literally couldn't tell any of them apart because they all look the same. They're all yep. priced the same. They all have the same promise. And then yep. I literally like recreationally was on TikTok and found you and found you and heard you describe things and heard you talk things through. And then you happened to be live and I clicked through and I was watching you do what you do. And that sealed the deal. And I was like, okay, that was the easiest discovery call ever. (laughs) It can literally be that is easy. And even today in my stories, I was like, why are you like so insistent on doing things like that are not working for you? I had another client who um, she's a service provider and she's actually found a lot of success through different visibility tactics like PR and podcasting that I've helped her develop. And to the point where she literally got an interview with like a Netflix producer. Amazing. But then right after telling me that, she was like, yeah, but I'm really mad that Instagram isn't working for me. I'm like, you literally just had a meeting with a Netflix producer. I like, I like want to smack you. I'm like, why are you so like, she's like, well, it's just because it works for everybody else. And I'm like, and how many other people have a meeting with a Netflix producer? Like clearly what you're doing is working. But once again, like you refuse to pivot. You refuse to actually step into that CEO like mode. Cause like that, a CEOs actually make like those kinds of decisions for their business. They look at the data. So, so it's like, why are you just like, so like insistent on not actually doing what's good for the business. And you're just insistent on like following other people. Like imagine if we like, none of us actually consumed how original our thoughts and ideas would be. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, true. True. And that you'd get inspiration from so many other places. It's the same thing. It's like, why would I spend my time in a place that wasn't getting me results? That's just not good business, right? Like why would I spend all my time on Instagram if I only converted 
one out of every 10 leads on Instagram, but then I can go to TikTok and get exposure to 2000 people on a live and get six inquiries in an hour. Like, yeah, that's just a way better use of my time. And they're way more vetted that way. What's killing me now is in my hometown, um, print marketing has totally made a comeback with posters, like actual physical print posters (laughs) taped to the back of street signs. And within the last week, I've taken pictures of four different posters of things that I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go to that, (laughs) which I would have never like discovered or stumbled upon otherwise, because the way that we stumble upon things is like through TikTok now. It's not even Instagram really. Like, so it's been so funny to see like a poster for a new ceramic studio that opened or like a concert, like Snoop Dogg is playing in Long Beach next weekend. I'm going to go visit my friend in Irvine. I'm like, should we go to this? (laughs) I'm like texting her a picture of a, like a concert poster. And I was like, wait, I'm kind of loving this like print revival because it did feel so like organic and so like stumbleable to just see something that I'm like, this actually caught my attention because I'm not in my screen. And I think that that's a totally lost art form as well. Oh yeah. And like, even for me, I'm like, okay, well, if this isn't working, like what else can I try? But a lot of women that I work with, they're like, yeah, but I just haven't seen anybody else do that. And I'm like, that's exactly exactly why you should. should." They're like, yeah, I'm just nervous. Cause if, what if it doesn't work? And I'm like, but then what if it does? And I think even in corporate marketing, like all actual big companies, like marketing is really just like a test, like rinse and repeat, test, rinse and repeat. Like that's actually what I did on a day-to-day basis when I worked at these like higher level companies is like, we're testing to see what works and then optimizing off of that. But for some reason in like the online space, I don't see anybody viewing marketing as that. So then when I'm like, okay, well, why don't we like test something new? Why don't we like stay curious and, you know, try something that hasn't been done before. There's like a lot of resistance towards that. And Mm -hmm. my logical corporate brain is like, what do you mean? This is just marketing. (laughs) So yeah, a lot of people don't also treat their businesses like businesses, which is like a whole different thing. But yeah, it's like, you need to put your CEO hat on and be like, okay, this clearly Mm -hmm. isn't working. What hasn't been done before that I could like pivot into and just like be curious and test out and see what comes of it. Yeah. I think you make a good point of like, people don't treat their businesses like businesses. Um, because you talk a lot on your channels as well of kind of finding that perfect synergy between personal life and business life. And like when you put the work hat on and when you put your personal hat on, I know for me, like on a personal note, like I've tried really hard to find moments for myself where I can do things that are completely unrelated to my job and also do things that I'm bad at. Like I joined a running club. Like I do not (laughs) run, but I've gone two times and I'm like, wait, this is wonderful because I come in dead last, but I don't, nobody needs to know. Like nobody needs to know that I suck at it. And also nobody needs to know that I run a company. Like there, I can actually have something separate and how much like, there's so much like liberation in that weirdly. Yeah. So I'm curious what your recommendations are, especially I think women struggle with this more than men of like finding the balance, especially like talk about even just like energy changes and like the girl code of it all. And if you were my friend, you wouldn't charge me full price. And like all of those like little (laughs) icky yucky stuff. Right. Like how do you help counsel like some of the people in your mastermind and the people that you work with on finding that balance between life and business? Yeah. So I actually work with a 
like a lot of female founders who are mothers. And I find it really interesting working with them because they physically have like little humans depending on them. So we actually really do need to structure their business differently. Um, But then it goes back to my framework of intentional, repeatable, scalable of how like, how are we intentionally setting up your business? Because there's like a million different types of business models. So like when I even teach this framework, this is more of just like a guiding light that just gives you guardrails, but then how you actually fill in the map, that's actually up to you. And that's what we work on together. So, you know, everybody is a case by case basis, which this is exactly why you need to work one-on-one with somebody to really figure that out. But yeah, it's like asking those questions of like, well, what do you, what do you do want the next five years to look like? Like, how can we even like start kind of mapping that out now? Because let's say like I have clients who like want to get pregnant in the next five years or they're getting married in two years. I'm like, okay, if you're getting married in two years, how can we even start kind of building up a roadmap of when we're going to have to hire people? So that way you can actually enjoy your honeymoon. Like that's the intentionality behind it. That's also the scalability behind it. Right. So I ask those questions when I work with someone is like, okay, like what is the vision or what even like life events do you have coming up? Like, how do you want to feel in the next year? Like what is your role in the company in the next five years? And how do we like reverse engineer like that long-term plan into like today, but also in terms of like, you wouldn't charge me if you're my friend. Absolutely not. Like, no, this is not a charity. But also, but also I'm, I lead with my values. So I've literally never had anybody say that to me. (laughs) It's one, I know. Well, it's one of the things where sometimes like you hear like murmurs of like things being said kind of around and about, and it's, it's one of the things of like, I wonder if you feel this as well, stuff that used to really hit me in a very personal way three, four, five years ago. Now don't. Now it's like water off a duck's back. I'm like, whatever. Okay. Like that's how you feel. Like bye. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, but like bye. Like I can't be bothered with that because it's just one of those things that's it's tricky because you want more than anything. And 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 part of my ethos, like I said before, is my whole goal of making a lot of money is to not like hoard it for myself. Mm-hmm. It's to spend it on the things and the people and the experiences and and the opportunities that I want to have in my life. So like, why would you not want to encourage that of the people that get to work with you as well? It's like, and I tell this to my team all the time. I was like, I want us to do a good job not just to do a good job, but so that I can all pay you more. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. the better we do and the bigger clients we get is the more that we can charge. The more we charge is the more that I can pay everyone. Yes. And like, don't we all want to get paid more so we can go do the things that we want to do. And so it's very much like a transparency about that. Yeah. And that like stems back to like impact. And like, mm-hmm. I feel that a lot of people who think like selling is like sleazy also don't have like a belief that like selling is truly like an act of service because the more, the more I can, the more I can sell, then the more financial freedom I can give women and the more financial like freedom more women have, the better, like literally every single person on this planet is going to be everyone. Right. So Mm -hmm. like I look at my, me selling as an act of like good and financial Mm -hmm. feminism and really just like making the world a better place. So when I'm talking about like, I want to work with women who want to create an impact, like that's what I'm talking about. Like you're doing it for something bigger than yourself. So yes, do I want nice things and nice vacations and to have a lot of money? Obviously, like who doesn't? But I also truly do want to have an impact and like better the world. And that's what I lead with. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what feels, that's the difference between what feels like the Instagram screenshotty, my 500, 600K product launch something in 24 hours. Like it feels the opposite of that because yes. that feels like very like I'm going to shout it from the rooftops, but I'm not going to get to the the essence of it. Which, yeah. which is the, what's the purpose? What's the mission? Which can be more difficult to understand than just a screenshot, of course. But I think yes. keeping those things close to the vest are really important. I knew we were going to have a ton to talk about. This was too easy. <laughs> <laughs> this is way too easy. I know you do have a mastermind and a very, very strong community as well. We didn't get to touch as much on the community aspect, but tell us maybe some suggestions, recommendations for a brand that's looking to be more than just a business, but also be a legacy brand like you talk about and the importance of community and maybe how you talk to people in your mastermind about those things. Yeah. So the Limitless Mastermind is where is a six-month program where entrepreneurs become CEOs. So if you're somebody, regardless if you're a service provider, a coach, like whatever kind of female founder you are, where you feel like you're more of like a daily producer of work than you are a CEO, that's where we really like step into that. So it's a six-month mastermind for driven female founders. And what we really work on is refining your business to step into that CEO role and really step into thought leader. And we do that by refining your overall business. So whether that's teams, systems, visibility, we really map out that long-term roadmap and then reverse engineer it. So you have a more intentional long-term plan, which in my defense, I feel like most masterminds, once again, only focus on the cash. And here we're really focused on you stepping into that CEO and building out that long-term plan, because that's actually how you're going to scale to multi-six figures. So if you're somebody who has already hit six figures or like about to, then the Limitless Mastermind is perfect for you. And the next cohort starts in April. And then after that, it's going to be ever enrolling. So you can join at any time. Amazing. And you also have a podcast by the same name, Limitless Podcast. Yes. Tell us about the podcast. Yeah. So the podcast is really like where I'm forming a community. So right now it's more of a female founder. Uh, I interview different female founders on like how they've be basically how they've scaled and their limitless journey. And we, and I have people from all over the world in different, different niches. So for example, this week, one of the podcasts that was released was, um, this woman in France who owns an 18th century chateau and she was a tax accountant, decided she wanted to buy a chateau, didn't know French, had no experience and now has blown into this like global sensation. And I actually got to visit this past summer. So it's kind of like, so her story is on taking risks, right? Cause like, I also want to become someone who is just that is known outside of the online space, because once again, I'm building a real company, right? So this is really a platform to interview different female leaders in all different walks of life, not just in the online TikTok space. And it's the hackiest way to network. Yes. (laughs) That's my opinion about podcasts. It's the hackiest way to network. Even if no one listens to my podcast, the fact that I get to sit down with someone like yourself for almost an hour is like incredible. Like, And to be able to do that on a consistent basis and use it as kind of this time capsule, I think is just such a fun medium and something that that gets really overlooked. Um, So for anyone thinking like, oh, I don't know if I should start a podcast, just start it. Like you won't regret it. Like it'll be, it'll be worth it. They're honestly really, if you love of talking, it's great. <laughs> oh, totally, totally, totally. Okay, one question we are asking all the guests on the podcast before we finish up um, this episode is what's in and what's out for you in 2023? 
Yeah, so what's in is boundaries and really having like un- unwavering self-trust in your vision, even if Ooh, nobody it. understands it. And then what's out is following the crowd and self-judgment, which is even something that I'm personally Ooh. working on. Oh, yeah. We talked about it loads on this episode, so you should go back and listen <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the episode. Amazing. Where, Anna, thank you so much. Where can everyone find, follow, and connect with you and maybe work with you? Yeah. So you can find me everywhere at theawcreative.com. So Instagram, TikTok, um, my website is theawcreative.com. And you can either shoot me a DM on Instagram and we can chat about the best option for you, or you can fill out my work with me form on my website. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks so much for coming on um, Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Thank you. Yay. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.